what we think, especially as marketers, is that customers are not an online customer or a brick and mortar customer. Customers are omnichannel customers. They want to experience the brand in a very unique way. We can't dictate how they are going to behave. So what we are trying to do is make sure that they have the means to shop in any way they want and they still get the Walmart experience. Throughout the years, Walmart has brought the idea of the superstore to life. Its name is ubiquitous. Most Americans live within eight miles of a Walmart. And within the store, you can find everything from groceries to automotive services to custom paint production. Seriously, there's very little that you won't find within a Walmart. And on this episode of Up Next in Commerce, Cynthia Kleinbaum-Milner told me about how that competitive edge is something that Walmart wanted to lean into as it evolved into the digital era. Cynthia is the VP of Marketing for Walmart Plus, online grocery, and their mobile app. And part of what she does is help Walmart use the power of its retail presence to engage with customers in an omni-channel way. This includes mobile, which we touched on a lot in the interview. We also dove into Walmart Plus and how Cynthia positioned Walmart Plus different from the competition by getting the deepest understanding of what customers want and why they want it. Plus, we got into Cynthia's own journey and how she has developed her skills as a marketer to land at one of the biggest global companies ever. This was such a fun episode, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent State of Commerce report. Hi, this is John from Salesforce. Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide. And we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerceinsights. That's sfdc.co slash commerceinsights, one word. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you to subscribe to our weekly e-commerce newsletter at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. It's amazing. It's great. You will learn a lot of good things. Go subscribe. Hello, hello, and welcome to Up Next in Commerce. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, CEO at mission.org. Today on the show, I'm so excited to have Cynthia Kleinbaum-Milner, who currently serves as the VP of Marketing for Walmart Plus, their mobile app, and online grocery. Cynthia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephanie. Great to be here. Yes, I'm so excited. So I want to start a little bit about you. I want our audience to get to know who you are, what your life has been like. And so I want to go all the way back to Mexico City when you were growing up and want to kind of hear, you know, what was life like back then? And did you ever think you'd end up working and leading the charge at a fortune, the fortune one company. I never planned too much in advance. So I was just planning the next step. Yeah, I grew up in Mexico yep. City as part of the Jewish community in Mexico, which is a pretty, pretty small group of people. I always yep. had a dream to live in New York. I don't know, maybe six in the city. <laughs> but I wanted to move <laughs> to New York and I did it through going to business school and then got a job in consulting. 
at Boston Consulting Group, and then I stayed here in New York. Very cool. Okay. And then what did your path look like while you're in New York? I think I saw, you know, after consulting, you got into marketing and then you jumped over to kind of a startup, I guess you could call it. Yes. So I want to hear about that transition to what got you to Walmart today. Well, before business school, I worked at Nestle in Mexico. Okay. And that's where I got my brand marketing chops. I think it's a great way to start any career in marketing, working in a CPG. Yeah. What you learn, it's like doing an MBA in marketing. Mm-hmm. After business school, I went to consulting to understand other industries, to really learn about what I didn't know because I had been for four years just focused on Nesquik. And then I thought it's going to be three years of learning how to think in frameworks, how to spend two weeks analyzing a company and being an expert in in the industry. I had all these dreams that were only going to last three years. That's what happened. I worked for three years in consulting and I wanted to go back to marketing just to realize that I was totally irrelevant. My experience was not useful because between 2006, when I left marketing and 2011, when I wanted to go back, marketing had been flipped in its head Mm -hmm. and it was all about digital marketing. I didn't know what SEM was. Nothing about digital marketing rang a bell. And that's when I reinvented myself. First, uh, I, I did a small consulting project at ZocDoc, like open table for doctor's appointments. Yeah. And that's, they allowed me to just observe and see what digital marketing was there. I then moved on to Gilt. I mean, Gilt and Bonobos, because we're smaller companies growing really, really fast and with marketing budgets that were pretty tight. That is like the place where you want to go if you want to learn digital marketing. Yeah. You don't want to go to a place where you have a lot of like a huge budget and you can not keep a super close eye on it. In Bonobos and in Guild, I learned both the retention side of marketing and then the acquisition side of marketing. And ultimately that got me to where I am today at Walmart. I mean, I think the term that, that it's thrown there, it's full stack marketer. I am a full stack marketer because I, I did brand marketing in the beginning and then performance marketing. And I've done a little bit of product marketing and mobile marketing at Walmart. So I use all of those tools right now. I love that. I love the idea of, you know, confidently reinventing yourself and coming out and being like, okay, this is such a different world. I mean, I feel like that's how a lot of people are right now with how quickly things are changing. And you have to have that mindset to be able to explore and look around and be like, okay, what skill sets am I lacking? Where's the gap? And how can I just quickly do it, which going to a smaller company, like you said, is probably the surefire way to learn really quickly, yeah. drink from a water hose and then, or a fire hose, and then you're going to be able to do whatever you want to do afterwards. Exactly. But it, it meant that I had to take a little bit of a step back compensation wise <laughs> and level wise that a lot of people are not comfortable with. And in the moment when I did it, I was seeing all my peers getting promoted and having bigger jobs. And I thought, is this a mistake? Like, am I going to regret forever that I didn't take the VP job and I'm now a director again? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think it was the right decision. Although who knows, right? Maybe, maybe it would have worked out differently, but I'm very happy with, with that. Yeah. And so, okay. Thinking about like your family back at home, what's their perception watching you seeing, okay, Cynthia's here, then she's there. And now she's, you know, going back. Like what was the feedback there? I mean, I think they, they, thought maybe I wasn't sure where I was going and I was um, making the wrong, the wrong decisions. My family is not super, I would say, well-versed on how to build a career in corporate. It's all entrepreneurs in the medical practice. So my dad is a, um, he's an entrepreneur. He has a business trading textiles. 
and I have an uncle who is a theater producer. So for them, what I was doing is totally foreign. And seeing me jumping from job to job, I think it, it, it definitely raised a red flag to them. They thought she's making all these mistakes. And now they are so proud. Yeah. <laughs> they, think, they think that I'm so important that I tell them there's a lot of VPs at Walmart. I'm not the VP at Walmart, but they still think I am the VP at Walmart. You're the VP in my heart. So that's how I'm going to view it going forward. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So I want to unpack your title a bit because it's a mouthful, you know, VP of marketing yeah. for Walmart Plus, which is the subscription side, the mobile app, online grocery. I mean, to me, you're at like the mecca of innovation at Walmart. It seems like you're kind of working on all these startups there. So tell me a bit about your role. Like, what does it look like day to day? I mean, I think I have the best job, by the way. And it's true. I work in the in the largest company in the world, but in, in the startups within that company. Mm -hmm. There are three pretty different teams that we support. The marketing teams are support areas to businesses. The business of online grocery, it's somewhat new, but Walmart started before everyone else. So by the time COVID hit last year, we already had national presence. We had a pretty solid infrastructure. They started grocery pickup in like 2013, right? Exactly. We were the first ones. And we also were the first ones to offer, to offer it for free, mm -hmm. which was a big deal. It was a pretty popular business. However, there was still a lot of people that didn't trust others. To, to pick their groceries, right? So uh, the marketing that we were doing before COVID looked very much like the marketing I was doing at Nestle. It was upper funnel marketing, brand awareness. Let's make sure that people know that this service exists, that they know that they can trust us, how to use it, big TV campaigns, lots of traditional type of marketing. In like the flip of a switch, COVID happens, we don't have to convince anyone because nobody wants to go to, to do grocery shopping in person. And we had to switch to managing inventories, doing making sure that people that were searching for online grocery online were finding us. We didn't have to do convincing. And also sometimes when things didn't go the way they wanted, apologizing, right? Because the demand was really, really high and we had to make good on our promise to our customers. So the online grocery team, what they do is they support a business that, it grow, that is growing at a very rapid pace and that changes from day to day, just like the COVID uh, situation is changing day to day. So that's online grocery. The, the mobile app team is in charge of driving conversion and utilization of, of our apps. We used to have two apps. Now we have one app. So we have the online grocery and the regular walmart.com inventory on one app. And we work very closely with the product team and the engineers to make sure that the app is built in a way that we can actually communicate and engage with our customers. So while online grocery, it's a lot of, of a traditional marketing full funnel, the mobile app team is working with the product team to build the right features on the app. And we also do app downloads campaigns and app store optimization. Third team that I lead is the Walmart Plus team, which is a membership that Walmart just launched a year ago. This is a team that I had to build from scratch, just like the membership. We, are built, we built it from scratch and we keep improving it. And it's a full funnel marketing strategy. We are making people aware that we have this membership. We have an acquisition campaign to make sure that people try it. And we have a very robust retention program to make sure that people are using the benefits that are included, that if they're dissatisfied that they're going to churn or cancel, we prevent them from canceling or we reactivate them. So three very complete and different teams. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm going to start back to the very first part, thinking about, you know, online pickup and ordering and retail locations. It's so interesting because you saw this, you know, kind of roller coaster ride of, okay, it's only retail. Okay, now it's only D2C. It's online everything. We don't need retail. And behind the scenes, you know, Walmart's investing a lot of money into retail Mm -hmm. locations. I think right now it's like 90% of people in the US live within 10 miles of a Walmart. And I think last year, you guys had like a huge CapEx in 2020 investment focused on, you know, fulfillment and retail locations. Yeah. And now how important that is being close to people and being able to kind of, you know, utilize that omni-channel strategy. So what are you thinking when you look at other companies who maybe don't have access to that? And, you know, you guys, to me, feel so far ahead of like planning things a decade out in advance. I mean, that is a competitive advantage of Walmart, Mm -hmm. right? The footprint of the company, that's one of them. The fact that the company built everyday low costs so we could offer everyday low prices. Mm -hmm. And we are part of those communities. What we think, especially as marketers, is that customers are not an online customer or a brick and mortar customer. Customers are omni-channel customers. They want to, to experience the brand in a very unique way. Some people like to shop online, pick up in store, or go to the store, get it delivered to their house. We, we can't dictate how they are going to behave. What we are trying to do is make sure that they have the means to shop in any way they want and they still get the Walmart experience. And from an investment perspective, we had to make use of our competitive advantage, which was not just the footprint that I mentioned before, but also the fact that Walmart is multi-category. Like, I don't think there's any other retailer that can say that they touch so many categories of product and services. If you haven't been to a Walmart or, or your audience hasn't been to a Walmart, it's important to understand that it's not just a grocery store. We have so many services. We have auto care center, pharmacy. Of course, we sell groceries, but we sell clothes and electronics and services like installation of things that we sell. The two two of my favorite services that we have is you can get paint. It's customized to exactly the color you want. So you order Mm -hmm. it and we make it exactly how you want it. You can make cakes, personalized cakes, kind of like the Nike app where you make your cake on the app and you personalize it. That's how we make our cakes at Walmart. And who knew? knew? I didn't know before working. I actually didn't know that. Exactly. So there's a lot of things that people don't, don't necessarily associate with Walmart, but when you go to a store and realize the breadth of product and services that we sell, you understand that in the, the digital world, we had to make sure that those things came with us, that it wasn't just a grocery store online, but it was a full Walmart experience online. So when thinking about you know, people all of a sudden getting used to the idea of ordering online and picking up you know, curbside or whatever it may be, how did you have to kind of, you know, showcase that in one way to the customer where maybe they were used to this like aisle view and shopping in a very like retail specific way? I think we're still working on that, but the product team that we have has done, I think, an outstanding job at personalizing the experience, using product recommendations, using lists so people can find what they're looking for. And also if they come again and if they always shop the same to make it very easy for them to just add everything at once and not have to again and again look for what they were looking, what, what they were trying to buy. And when building out that experience, what were some of the maybe most surprising moments for where you're like, oh, this was actually maybe a hiccup to consumers not wanting to try it. Or maybe this like simple messaging change actually had, you know, a big inflow of new, uh, new customers who are willing to try it now. I don't know that there's like one specific thing that didn't work or that surprised me, but what has been super important for us it's to test different messages 
and to let the, the audiences, to let the, also the platforms that we use put in front of the prospect customer the right message. For example, some people care about the freshness of the, of the produce more than they care about the price. Some people care more about the price. Also, there's people that want to know that we don't have markups. We, unlike most of the online grocery delivery services, Walmart doesn't mark up the merchandise. We either charge you for the pick for the delivery or you come pick it up for free or you are part of Walmart Plus, you get it delivered for free. Those type of messages, we let the platforms run their algorithms and say maybe for Stephanie, the most important thing is to know that there's no markups because she currently uses a service that has markups. For somebody else, it's going to be about the fact that we have organic produce. For somebody else, it's going to be about the fact that we have everyday low prices. So we just try to have a comprehensive view of what are the, the messages that could work, put them out there and let the algorithms do its thing. I love that. I, uh, I was always surprised by how much price impacted me when it came to delivery fees. Like you get your basket already on maybe like, you know, yeah. some other marketplace and you're like, do, 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 here goes all my groceries. Oh, and there's this fee. Oh, and there's the driver fee. Oh, and now I got a tip. And all of a sudden I'm like 40 bucks in. Exactly. And, you know, back in the day I would have said, oh, maybe I'm not, you know, that sensitive to price. But right away I realized quickly that I was. I mean, also people shop for groceries. Like I think on average it's three times a week. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a big purchase. Sometimes it's a small purchase. So adding those, those fees really for a family that you have like our target customer is a family that has both parents working and they're trying to mm-hmm. stretch their money, but they also don't want to spend time shopping all the, like every, every other day. They want to be with their family. So when we build things, we're trying to solve both for the, for the saving money, but also for the saving time. So, okay. Now I want to touch on the mobile app piece that you've mentioned. Uh, you've talked a little bit about, you know, the race to the everything app, the super apps, you know, where they do everything. And I want to hear a little bit about what it looked like when you guys, you know, were going through your life cycle of, you said earlier you had two apps and now you're down to one. Like, tell me a bit about what you guys were thinking around consolidating and how that, you know, is improving the customer experience. First of all, from a company perspective, everybody wants their app to be the one that people automatically go and open, right? When you open your phone and where does your thumb go? Mm-hmm. There's too many apps and most people download an app the one day that they wanted to buy something and they forget about that app. And at some point when they run out of storage, they start deleting apps, right? So our goal is for, for the Walmart app to be that app that your thumb goes to. Having two apps makes it a little bit harder, right? Because we have one app that gets a lot of frequency for people ordering their groceries. And we have a, a, another app where you have the endless aisle. It didn't make sense. It made more sense to put them together and give customers the best possible experience so they could choose what merchandise they want. They could see the endless aisle and they can also see what they can pick up today, what they can get delivered today or tomorrow or what they need to wait a couple more days. So we're giving, we're empowering the customers to make their decisions for themselves when we consolidate those apps, instead of telling them, no, from this app, you can't get groceries. And from this app, you can't get that TV that you wanted. I mean, that seems like a good move just from a branding perspective too. Yeah. This is Walmart. I should be able to get everything in one place. Why would exactly. there be two apps? How did you think about you know transitioning users from one app to the other and like putting out that messaging for maybe someone who had just downloaded it or just kind of got into the process and learned how to do it? So it took us a few months to transition people through in-app push notification, email, 
ultimately the people that didn't transition and that had to be forced to transition were the people that used it less. People that use your app all the time, they want to use the best version of your app. So you just communicate with them through, through the regular channels. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't talk about publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. How do you view like the mobile app world right now? Because that's a world, back in the day, I used to build apps probably back in like 2011. And back then it felt like it was in a place where it wasn't as competitive. You could kind of get found. You could, you know, do some advertising efforts and, you know, find some new customers pretty easy. I have no idea what it looks like today. And it feels very crowded with, you know, people launching them all the time. Like, how are you guys navigating that right now and finding new customers? Like what's working for you? Well, I mean, those are two questions. So let me answer the first one and then I'll answer the second one. The first one about like the environment. You're totally right. There was a time when a brand that sells, I don't know, clothing that people buy twice a year would have an app. Like it may still be happening that that brands say, I want to have my app. But if people really shop with you twice a year for a wardrobe, you don't need to have an app. You can have something that looks like an app, but it's not an app. Yep. In the in the case of what's coming with apps, I think it's a race of these super apps in China that has been like really successful. If you think about what Alibaba has been doing or WeChat, where their apps are not just commerce apps, but they're also content apps. I think some examples in the US of companies trying to have super apps would be Uber that has a lot of services within their same app or even maybe like Instagram or Facebook that have not just their social media, but they're trying to have commerce in their app. The, the issue there is that commerce is not core to their business. So it feels a little bit like an added. Yeah, a little force. Yeah, a little force. In our case, we, we have already what is a super app, right? If you think about it, because it's not just a commerce app. You can do a lot of things in the Walmart app that is not shopping. You can actually... Do like engaging financial services. You can do other things. Uh, you can use it in the store. Actually, this is super cool. Have you used our app in our store? I have not used your app in the store. So what is it? What's it like? Well, you can get to the store and you can put whatever you want, like search for it. And it tells you where, where you will find it. And it tells you how to get there in the store. So in Ooh. a Walmart store, since I mean, some of them are huge. Yep. It does save you time if you say, this is what I want. Of course, most people, when they go grocery shopping, they shop over and over for the same thing. So you don't need, mm-hmm. you don't need this help. But many times you, are the, you need this one-off thing and you're spending all this time. So that's one thing that we have. We have scan and go that you can just skip the line. You scan while you're shopping. This is for Walmart Plus members. Mm-hmm. You can take something, scan it, 
and skip the line, just scan when you're leaving the store. So that, so you can actually nice. engage and make your store experience a lot better if you have your phone with you. And there's a lot more things coming. So for us, the app, it's not a shopping app. It's an app that really helps you manage your experience at Walmart, either for if you're shopping for products, services, or something else. One of the things that we have that many companies don't have is we have a ton of traffic on our stores. And creating features in the app that will make the store experience better, it's a great way to get people to download the app. Like if I go to a store, let's say that I'm in a Walmart store and I see a TV. I don't know, we have maybe 10 TVs that look like something you want, but in our, in our .com site or app, we have thousand TVs that look like something you would want. That endless eye, you can engage with it on the app. If I tell you, you don't like any of this or we're out of stock, go to our app. Or we create features like, like Scan and Go or the, or the Item Finder. Those are ways in which we incentivize people that come to our store, our customers, to download the app. But not everybody has that. Yep. A lot of people use generic words, right? If they're, use, if they're using Walmart app, we're going to be there. If they're using one of our competitors app, we may be there. But a lot of people just use generic words, keywords. So we have to bid for those keywords. And then lastly, a lot of the search is happening on a mobile phone, on, on, this, on the browsing app mm-hmm. of your mobile phone. So if people are searching to buy something, let's say on, on your Safari or Chrome on your phone, we have to make sure that our app is coming up as an option for them to just download it as they're looking for that. And then I don't think getting app downloads is the hardest part. The hardest part is really to get people to use it. Cool. Okay. So then the final piece I wanted to touch on was around the Walmart Plus membership. Going off the three-pronged things, this was the third one. Tell me a bit, like for anyone who doesn't know exactly what Walmart Plus is, can you detail it and, you know, like how it's doing? Yeah. Walmart Plus is the membership program of Walmart. We launched it a year ago. It currently has five benefits that people that join the program get. The first one is unlimited delivery of your groceries, free shipping from the warehouses, free and discounted medication, discounts on fuel, and scan and go, which is using your app to quickly get in and out of the stores. It didn't have to do at all with COVID, but it happened that we launched it during COVID and it was a a very useful membership for for our customers. But really what we did was we expanded on a service that we had before, which was unlimited delivery of grocery. Our customers, the customers that were using it, were really raving about it. They were shifting market share of wallet from other places to Walmart because we saw that they were shopping more often with them. And we knew that we could offer them more than just groceries because Walmart is more than grocery. So that's what we did. We launched it last year. We are still... Early in the days of this membership, I think if, if you ask me what is it going to look in five years, it's going to be a really robust membership program with a lot more benefits that people will use to manage their daily lives. That's our goal. We don't want a membership that people use once a week or a couple of times a month. We want a membership that you use every day. So it becomes that app that you go straight on your phone when you open it, where your thumb goes. Yeah. I mean, I think... Right now, if you were to talk to almost any brand, you know, this would obviously be something that they would want. But what if they don't have, you know, everything that Walmart has? They don't have like a bunch of things to be like, do you want this? Do you want this? They're maybe a smaller company, but they're still kind of thinking about like, how do I encourage, you know, my customers to engage with me every day? Yeah. What would you like? What kind of advice would you give someone like that to like 
you know, entice their customers to come in and, you know, hang out with them in their maybe app or wherever their communities, websites. I don't actually think that all brands need to convince or to incentivize their customers to engage with them every day. Mm -hmm. Like maybe let's say if you're a makeup brand, how often do people buy creams or, or a beauty products? It's not every day. They may want to consume content. Some of your customers, the beauty aficionados, maybe they want to consume content on a daily basis, but really the average customer may not want to consume content at all. They just want to find you when they're looking for the next cream, mm -hmm. or they may want to, have to consume content on a weekly basis. So you have to find your own strategy. I definitely don't think everybody has to, to aim to have to build a relationship on a daily basis because what you end up with is all these companies sending marketing emails on a daily basis oh, yeah. that just drive unsubscribes. Like I don't need a brand that I buy twice a year from to send me emails every single day. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a it's an easy trap that a lot of brands fall for. Yeah, I agree. So tell me about some of the content campaigns, like some of your favorite campaigns you've been running at Walmart. And it can be around Walmart Plus or the app or anything, just something where you're like, this was a really fun one, or this was a surprising one that we didn't know would really pan out as well as it did. Just any stories around that? I'll tell you the one from the drive-in theaters that we ran last year, and then we can talk about Walmart Plus too, because it's, it's also an awesome one. Uh, so COVID hits, we were thinking, how can we continue engaging with our customers in a way that it's really unique to Walmart? And we had the idea, like many others, to do drive-in movie theaters. What was unique about Walmart was, number one, the scale. I mean, we, we could do it at, at a national level. Number two, we had the parking lots. And what we made unique was we did a, an awesome partnership. We partnered with the Tribeca Film Festival to have them curate the movies that we were going to show. And when we were planning it, it was a, an expensive endeavor, right? It's, it, it had to be COVID compliant. So we had to take a lot of precautions. We had to convince the stores to be okay with us mm -hmm. closing the, like half of their parking lot. It was a lot of logistics that we thought this may not be something that anybody cares about, or maybe it's going to be something that people that go in person care about. But how can you measure the success of something like this if 150 people experience it in person or, or 200 yeah. people experience it in person. That's probably, it's not going to pay back. If I get 200 people to watch a movie, it's not going to pay back. Yeah. I cannot explain to you how this blew up on the press. I don't know if you heard about it, but... Yeah, how did it blow up? What happened? The press that we got, if I had to pay for those impressions, it would have been more than 10 times more expensive than how much money we spent to uh, launch these uh, movie theaters. The press just like loved talking about it. Customers that went loved their experience and they were posting about it in social media. It just became this thing where other partners wanted to collaborate with us. We had a lot of potential deals to do concerts and theater plays. Everybody wanted to use our parking lots to have cultural events because it was such a big success. And ultimately the... the the good feel that those that experience this, even if they didn't experience it in person, even if they just experienced it by reading about it, was very positive for Walmart. And, uh, and I think it was a great way to use our dollars, but also a great way to use our unique assets. That also shows like the power of partnerships and like really unique ones where, you know, you're kind of 
wondering if it's actually going to pay off. And is this even a good partnership? That's probably the best, you know, ones to even enter into and try out. Yeah. Like, how did you stay engaged with them afterwards and keep in touch? And what did that look like? We let anybody come to the events. We didn't ask them for proof of purchase. They didn't have to be Walmart customers. But when they came, they provided us with their email. We also gave them a goodie bag with product. And through email and push notification, we continue communicating with them and tracking if they were coming back. But honestly, mm-hmm. it wasn't meant as, uh, let's see how much money we can get and if, if they place an order within a week after going there. It was really more of a, let's, be, let's give back to the community and let's give back, back to our customers. And if we can build some awareness of, the, of, the, of this great program and feel good sentiment around the brand, that's excellent. So let me hear now about the second campaign that you're also excited about. Yeah, so Walmart Plus, when we were going to launch Walmart Plus, we were thinking about what was the right campaign to launch something this big for Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. One thing happened that made us adjust our campaign, which is COVID, that we couldn't actually have actors. We couldn't go into a studio. We needed to record people using the membership program as in their, in their daily life. And the second one was we wanted to have a true representation of who the Walmart customer is, which is basically everyone. We had to cast about 20, I think it was about 22 families doing their thing and seeing what impact Walmart Plus had in their life. We were in the house of a family when they brought a baby home, their fifth baby. And how much having Walmart Plus helps the mom be able to like get everything she needs to um, fulfill the, the role that she plays in her house. So the 22 families were diverse and they each showed us how Walmart Plus makes their life better. But what, what we had to decide was, do we stay at the functional level? This is something that in marketing we talk a lot about, right? Is it a functional benefit or is it an emotional benefit? And if you think about the Maslow hierarchy of needs, whatever you sell, it's going to fulfill a need at the basic levels, right? In this case, it's food. I mean, how, how much more basic it gets than getting you the food you need. However, when you create a campaign that stays at that lower level of the pyramid, there's no competitive advantage, right? Like anybody can deliver groceries. I mean, there's a lot of people yeah. delivering groceries. If you create a campaign, or that's what we thought, if we, we thought that if we created a campaign that talked about how our membership helps you higher in the, in the hierarchy of needs, people are going to feel more connected with the brand. So instead of showing you, hey, we're going to give you groceries or we're going to get them delivered to you, which is a little bit higher in the funnel. We're going to save you time. We could have stayed there. We decided to go one level higher and show what people do with that time because people are Mm -hmm. not getting delivery just to save time. Like they're in a competition and they're trying to save more time than others. No, they are trying to save time so they can spend that time doing whatever they care about. And when we surveyed customers, talked to them in focus groups in person, they told us, I want to spend more time with my family. I want to be a more active member of my community, but I don't have time. So the campaign mm-hmm. showed them what they could do with the time. And you see it, it's 15 second, 30 second, even a one minute app where the grocery is being delivered. It's not prominently shown the entire time of the ad. Most of the ad, you're actually seeing people enjoying life. Yeah, I think always figuring out like, what's behind, you know, that actual want or need, but then not getting too far in that. Like you think of the Super Bowl campaigns that are so heart-wrenching, so emotional, and you're like, 
who was behind that again? Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't think I'm going to go buy a Cadillac, but that was a really nice commercial, you know, but like, I don't get the tie. So that seems like a really good balance you had there of like keeping it functional, but also tying it to like everyday life and authenticity. Yeah. How are you thinking about campaigns going forward now? I mean, because it seems like, you know, it's kind of a blessing in disguise having to, you know, go into the homes of people and not having studios and everyone's kind of saying, maybe this is the model going forward. How are you guys thinking about content now over this next year? I mean, we're still using a lot of real footage, people, Mm -hmm. people living their lives, but I still think that there is room in any marketing strategy to have highly produced advertising that looks beautiful and that you can like manage a little bit more the the storytelling. Mm -hmm. However, in this day and age with everybody having a megaphone and communicating authentically to their audience, if they're telling one thing and you're saying something else, then you're just confusing and you're not really cementing what the value proposition is in the minds of the customer. So I think there's a full funnel approach where some places, some channels you're going to have highly produced with actors and in other places, you're going to have people that you hire, that you partner with. And then in other places, people are going to make the content on their own and you won't be able to to control the narrative as well. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. It's always good to be aligned. So where does Walmart want to be in the next couple of years? Like what are some of the big bets that you see being made that you're really excited to watch play out maybe within like your groups that you run? I mean, I really want to see people using all the benefits of Walmart Plus. We are adding things based on what they're telling us, our Mm -hmm. customers and our members, they tell us what they want. I think when when you work at a company, the scale of Walmart, it's not crazy to say, I want to change how America lives. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want. We want America to have more time to spend it on whatever they care about so they can live happier lives. So that's what I want. I want everybody to join Walmart Plus, everybody to use all the benefits and use the money that they're saving and the time that they're saving to be happier. I love that. Okay. And then what's top of mind for you right now, maybe within your role, like what kind of new maybe skills are you and your team working on? Are you kind of like shifts you're having to make right now, maybe personally within your team? I mean, we have had to build a team with people that have a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Of course, I want marketers and I want to hire people that have some of the technical experience that is required. But more than anything, what we want in these teams are people that are eager to learn more and eager to stay ahead of everyone else in terms of what's coming with technology, what's coming with uh, with trends. So we hire people that are willing to learn on the job, that are willing to build a plane while, fly, while flying it. Then we pivot all the time. If you think about Walmart Plus, when we launched, we had three benefits. We've added two. Those two change our marketing strategy. And mm-hmm. we're going to be adding more. And that changes what we were doing before. So the only constant is changed with Walmart Plus and with all these, the three worlds that I'm, that I'm leading. So it's really a matter of hiring the right people that can change, that can grow, that can pivot quickly, that don't get disappointed if something is changing again, that actually get excited because something is changing. So people don't like change. Don't come work at Walmart Plus if you don't like change. I love it. Yeah, I feel like that's a perfect role from what I know about you and have seen. So we're going to move on to the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I ask you a question and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready, Cynthia? 
minute or less to answer. I mean, I will not be more ready than I am now. So let's do it. <laughs> okay. First up, what's the best piece of marketing advice that you heard and you tell others? Everything communicates. So for example, packaging communicates. You see now luxury brands that have entered e-commerce and you buy this luxury product and it arrives in a cardboard box with paper fill, filling the empty spaces. You can't do that. Everything you do communicates. Oh, that's a good one. I love that. Okay. What is one thing that you don't understand today that you wish you did? I don't understand why women are wearing mom jeans now. How can I follow the trends? <laughs> I don't understand gender fashion <laughs> sense. That I don't understand. When I became a mom, I was like, am I supposed to wear these now? <laughs> I don't. I'm still with no. the skinny jean phase. We do what we want. Exactly. We forge our own path here. <laughs> <laughs> if you or Walmart were to have a podcast, what would it be about? And who would your first guest be? I think Walmart could do a really good podcast about the path that people can take in their careers. And, and I say this because I still think it's the largest employer mm -hmm. in the U.S., we have jobs for everyone, right? And you see the path of people that start working in a store and then end up working at corporate. You see people from all backgrounds. So I think that if, if any company can show every person in America that they can build a career in a company, that is Walmart. I love that. All right. And the last one, what's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for you? Inviting me to this podcast. No, yeah. what's the nicest thing? Um, I mean, the nicest thing was my dad raising me. So yeah, my mom passed away when I was one and my dad raised me. So how nice is that? I mean, it was his job too, but he did a pretty good one, I think. I'd say so. Yeah, you can tell he did a good job. Good job, dad. <laughs> All right. Well, Cynthia, it was such a pleasure having you on the show. Really fun to hear what's happening behind the scenes at Walmart and all the cool, you know, innovative work that you get to do within the company. Where can people find out more about you and all the fun work that you're doing? Well, first, everybody has to sign up for Walmart Plus, walmart.com slash plus, download the Walmart app, and then I'm on LinkedIn, Cynthia Kleinbaum Milner. That's it. But most importantly, sign up for Walmart Plus. All right, everyone. You heard it here. Thanks so much, Cynthia. Thank you, Stephanie. everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you'll probably also love our e-commerce newsletter. To get it delivered straight to your inbox every week, sign up at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.